Hello, everybody. This is Ed K. Smith from mylivelihood.com.au here with my lovely co-host, Lois. Hello. And we are very fortunate today to have a faraway guest, Mr. Simon Chen from 8blackcars.com, who is based in Colorado in the USA. Hey, Simon. Hey, Ed. Hey, Lois. How are you? Hi, Simon. Great, thanks. We, uh, we're very happy to have Simon on. He's, uh, his time in the US is around just after six o'clock in the evening. Uh, we are eight o'clock in the morning because we have quite a time difference, of course, between Australia and the US. So we're, we're uh, very happy to have Simon on. Simon and I have uh, some history going way back that we'll get into. And we'll, uh, we'll have a chat with Simon about what his business is and um, what his history is of, of doing business. He's got a very, uh, very intricate and detailed story he's going to weave for us, haven't you, Simon? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no pressure. I'll try. Simon's going. Well, at six o'clock, can I start drinking now or should I? Yes, go, know, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So that's, Simon that's does have, have a beverage in his hand other than water. Well, uh, no, this that, is water. See, water. That, that's his water, but he's got something else as well. <laughs> um, it just depends on how tough the interview gets. He might, exactly, uh, if I start sweating. You know, and it's after six o'clock in the evening, so that's completely fine. Exactly. If I was drinking some scotch in the morning, eight o'clock, that'd be a worry. We are um, from Perth. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold it against you. So that's okay. That's right. Uh, now, Simon, we were discussing internet connections before. Um, uh, because we are so far away, often sometimes, you know, you can have little glitches and stuff. So we apologize for anything that happens. But it's probably from our end, not from his, because he's got a ridiculously fast internet connection of uh, one gigabyte up and one gigabyte down. And we just have a fraction of that. We're still operating on tin cans with string here in, in Perth. So we'll... Uh, well Ed, I only have that because I have a 19-year-old son in the basement who plays video <laughs> games. And so that's the only, oh, way yes. that's the only way he'll stay at home if I have a fast internet connection. Well, there you go. If you want to get rid of him, switch the internet off. That's the answer. Exactly. I was going to say, Simon, <laughs> when he said he's in the basement, he's allowed out then, you know. Yes. <laughs> Where it comes up when he's hungry, you know. So. They all do that. That's, that's pretty standard. Yeah, uh, so a bit of a, a bit of a history. We'll go into your history, but just a bit of a connection. Uh, ha- how we know Simon? Um, it comes from myself attending a seminar that Simon put on in two thousand and four, called the X Ten Seminar, which was an internet marketing seminar um, based in Hyatt Coolum in Queensland, in Australia. That was between September third and fifth, uh, and I attended that, and. It was fantastic. It was probably one of the best um, marketing internet seminars that I think I've ever been to since. And it unfortunately has spoiled me because everything I hold uh, uh, up to that standard. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, uh, it was a fantastic event with really, really great speakers who I got connected with and have been friends with quite a few of them since then. Um, I actually met my business partner, Alan Stewart, there for the first time, but we didn't end up connecting as business partners. Then it happened about a year later through another weird coincidence, but we were both there. And Alan said to remind you that he came second in the affiliate competition, just just in case you'd forgotten. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perry Marshall beat him out. He was a bit annoyed by that. But, um, yeah, well, but, yeah, yeah. competing against Perry Marshall, remember? That, that's it. So he was quite happy that he, he got the, the, the second most people to attend the event other than Perry Marshall. So anyway, he just said to say that to you. Um, So Simon, 
we we say we met. I was an attendee at that conference, um, mm. and say two thousand and four. I remember it was a fair chunk of money. It was about three grand for the uh, for the for yeah, the three event. and a half actually. I think it was about three and a half. Yeah, something like that. If you look back on the Wayback Machine, all the details are there if you want to have a, have a good laugh, but it's um, see some good long-form sales copy in action. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and plus airfares and accommodation. And I think you know, even now it's a fair, fair amount of money, but it was worth every cent. It was such a well-put-on event. Um, so we'll get into the story of that event, uh, but we'll lead up to what got you to on that event before we go into the details of what that was about and then we'll talk about what you're doing what you're doing now so give give us a bit of a once you left high school type thing you know uni <laughs> you know we won't we won't we won't go back that go back that far well uh, what what were the businesses that uh, you you started because you've had quite a variety of stuff you've been working on i have and i <clears throat> i think um well ed and you know, I appreciate the the compliments about the event. It was a, it was one of those um, once in a lifetime things that you do. I think that, mm -hmm. that you say, I want to get this done. I mean, I know that you've you know developed a hugely successful online business, um, but I think that you have everyone has that turning point in their life where they say, I'm motivated to get this done beyond anything else. And and I think when you develop that as a person, and I think everyone has that window in their life that opens that says, I'm going to take this opportunity and run with it. I was fortunate to grow up in a, in a family business environment. And for those people that are, you know, listening, they're either going to roll their eyes or, or not because family businesses can be very challenging. Um, a lot of kids go into family businesses that don't want to go into them. And a lot of kids uh, go in and prosper and a lot of kids go in and ruin it. You know, there's, there's mm. statistics on, on all of those metrics that, that that family businesses can be challenging. Um, I didn't like our family business very much. Uh, you know, it was, just wasn't sexy, but it taught me a lot. And my parents, you know, um, certainly instilled the right discipline, I think. And I got to travel a lot uh, with my father. And, you know, so that's, that, that got me into my love of travel. And, you know, I was um, working in corporate and, I just got into technology. I mean, I, I remember, Ed, you know, one of my first real technology jobs was selling mobile phones for $5,500 in Australia. Ooh. And they were so, so expensive that you, that you had, most people had to lease them. Uh, right. You know, and, and the salespeople, we'd make, we'd made $500 commission on a, on a phone and you'd made a hundred dollars on the finance contract. And so, and, and back decent. then, you, yeah, and back then, you know, you'd sell, you know, there was guys that, that were selling 10 a week. Uh, you know, on them, and these were the mm. big Mobiletronics pocket phones, and they were terrible. Yes, I mean, had, but, but, had, had some of those then. Yep. Um, but I, you know, I, I fell in love with technology at that point, um, and then you know, I think I, I got lucky and I got into corporate. I, I, I started working for Hutchison Telecom. Um, I then got recruited to go to Singapore to work for British Telecom, and you know, one thing I think that whether you're old or young. The, the, the thing that I had going for me, I think, was, you know, working in a family business and growing up in that environment, I learned how to sell. And I think that's one of the biggest skills we can have today. If you Absolutely. can sell something, if you can sell something, Ed, and as you know, Lars, you can do anything. You're, 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 not, you're always going to get a job, right? 
and I've always relied on my ability to sell something to, to keep me employed. I've never applied for a job. I've, I've never had to use LinkedIn to, to go on and, and, and apply for one, mainly because if I got a job for corporate now, I'd get fired by lunchtime. That is, that is, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. absolutely yeah. convinced I would not last. Um, no, and I'm so I, you know, I, yeah. I think at fifth, you know, now I turned 53 and I was just saying, it, we've known each other, what, 15 years? Uh, 16, yeah. 16 years. Well, you know, I've, you've got, a, you've got about the same, I'm glad that your hair loss is keeping up with mine because that makes me feel. My, mine's actually not hair loss, mate, just to be clear. Uh, mine's it? just, uh, mine's just a very short one, right. uh, but it's probably, it's probably, <laughs> oh. rece- it's, it's probably it? receded a bit. Now the, you now you tell yourself it. whatever that. I'll talk to the lowest half. <laughs> He's oh, had a coronavirus so. cut, actually. Sorry, I yeah, said this that is, word. This but... was my, 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 daughter, my daughter did you this You did one. it yourself, obviously? No, like, no, no, Sasha. in the morning or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, so I think, you know, that, that, that ability to sell will put you in good stead with anything. Completely. Think, you know, kids, you know, are we teaching our kids to sell? You know, are we teaching the younger generation to sell? Are we teaching Trying them, to. <laughs> you know, to... Uh, I think it's deep pop recycle fashion at the moment, you know? Yes. Right. And, yeah. yeah. You know, my son works in our business now and I think he's, he's learning by just watching. Yes. And, and I think that that's important that kids, you know, get to watch that. I would love for kids to, to, to out the, the current generation to be able to actually pick up the phone and use it for what it's intended, which is actually talking to someone. Rather than, you know, if yeah. you ask a teenager now, I need you to call your mother, they'll text them and they'll say, and I'll say to them, did you call your mother? And they said, yeah, I texted them. And I said, no, I need you to call them on the phone. Why? You know, and I think that that's um, a, lo- a lost skill, you know, teaching kids to talk on the phone. I had to cold call back in those days. I mean, we had to go door to door and sell cell phones, mobile phones, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've been thrown out of plenty of sales offices. Um I've been chased by dogs. I've been, you know, but it's just, Battle I, stars. I, look, I, I look back on that. Um, and I say it was a huge part Completely. of my career, right. In terms of, you know, being a hunter as opposed to a farmer, uh, selling something that you had to believe in and going door to door and, and having the confidence to do that. I was very fortunate that my parents sent me to a Dale Carnegie course when I was uh, 19 uh. How do we friends and influence I, people? Was and I, I, I didn't win fr- too many friends, but I, I learned how to influence people, which was probably <laughs> a, a better skill. Um, yes. And you know, I was reading uh, your guys' bio too as we were getting ready for this, and I also went to a Jim Rohn conference, which was uh, I found quite life changing. Um, and I took we took actually my my parents I had a retail office or retail business rather, and we took the whole staff, and as we just thought it was that good, it was on in the um, was in the old um in melbourne um and it was on one of the big sort of exhibition hall type things and i still remember mm-hmm. it to this day how important people like jim Rohn were and, oh, and, yeah. I, and I, I, I don't underestimate don't underestimate the importance of those motivational influences in your life in terms of the books we read the books that could kids should be reading um the skills we should be learning and so you know as we got into the tech world and i went to singapore and stayed there for a long time and I got to see the world at someone else's expense and British telecom back then Ed, the internet was just you know, being yeah. born in the late nineties. Mm. Um, we used to carry around laptops and have, you know, 9.6 dial up modems to, and we were, we're told you're not allowed to retrieve the whole email, just retrieve the header. 
right? And, <laughs> and so, and this was British Telecom, right? Had unlimited, oh my you know, lordy. And we had our own, we owned, net, we owned the networks. And, but, you know, and, and you'd be busy if you got four emails. You'd go to the office in the morning, you'd start up your old Toshiba laptop, and you'd be busy if you got four emails, right? You think, oh my God, that's great, right? And, and so we take a lot of things for granted. And, but at the end of that, you know, I came back, I, I got another job with another uh, uh, IT group. And I think I got to that point where I thought, you know, I was itching to do my own thing. Mm. And so I decided that I'd quit the company and people thought I was crazy. And, and the good thing, if you have a good network in Australia, and certainly being in telco, when you quit and you tell people you're going to do your own thing, people think you're actually ha having a midlife crisis and you're losing it. And so they give you this consulting work because they think, yes. oh, Simon's gone crazy, right? <laughs> well, how about we just give him, get him there, in and do there, some consulting, right? Yep. Yeah. And they feel sorry for you. So they get you in to do consulting and then you work on special projects. There's nothing worse than being introduced as the person that's on special projects because it's like you're a special person, which is like not normal, right? Yeah. And and because of those days, there was so much money around, they could, they could get you to do anything. They said, look, come in and work out on, you know, office optimization or do this or do that. Or we need you to go and help close a deal in, you know, the Philippines or Hong Kong or Japan or something. So gotcha. I had a lot of friends, you know, very concerned that I was going to, to you know, lose it. And I was living in Sydney and I, I discovered internet marketing. And I'm not sure mm -hmm. how, but... I decided that, you know, I said to my wife at the time, I'm going to go learn as much as I can about this. And I love traveling. I had miles up or, you know, points, frequent flyer points up the wazoo. And I just jumped on a plane. And I remember going to the first one. I remember going to Ken McCarthy's The System Seminar. Changed my yes, life. Yes, right? absolutely. Yep, yep. Met Perry Marshall there when he was a rookie. Um, although I wouldn't call him a rookie, but you know what I mean? He was a rookie in the space. Yeah. And... Yep. Um, all of the guys. And so I decided that I would, over the next 12 months, I, I would go and learn as much as I possibly could. And my wife was at the point saying I was just doing it to get away from, you know, looking after our young kids, um, which is probably true to a point, I think, in hindsight. But, uh, you know, I, I did and I just jumped on all these co uh, conferences. And I got to a point where I thought, I reckon I could do this. I, I reckon mm -hmm. we could do this. I reckon the we could put it with an Aussie spin. And obviously, you know, when you sit in the audience and, you know, I, with the corporate background I had, I think, and I, I love attention to detail. I'm an OCD person. I thought, and, and we, you, you would have sat there too and to say, look, I've got to put, I, I could put this on in the Ed K Smith way. Right. And so I said, that's it. And I, I obviously had some colleagues helping like uh, Dr. Michael Hewitt Gleason. Mm -hmm. um, I started to assemble the talent that I'd like. And I went and bought them all an, an hour of their consulting time. And I think one of the lessons I learned, even today, as we mm -hmm. start to embark on stuff, if you want to learn something, you shouldn't be intimidated about approaching the best talent that there is. Yeah. And buy an hour of their time. Like if someone came to you, if I wanted to learn domain management, Ed, you're the smartest guy I know in domain management. I'd come into Ed, even though I've known you for 15 years. You're not going to take me seriously until I pay you whatever consulting fee you, you charge me for the hour. It's in Australian dollars anyway. I don't care. It's not that much, right? uh, so, five cents. So, conversion. Five cents. Like tw 20 bucks, right? Yeah. So nothing. I would nothing. say if, if I wanted to catch your attention, I'd say Ed or Lois, if, if, it was a, if it was a HR thing or if it was, you know, your skill set, I would say 
let me buy an hour of your time because then people take you seriously and you take it seriously. And if I was just jumping on a plane and I remember coming to, to see a guy here in Boulder, Colorado, and I live 12 miles from Boulder, Colorado right now. I remember jumping on a plane, driving the rental car all the way up the toll road, seeing Boulder for the first time, paying him his $500 for the hour, which 16 years ago is yeah, good money for an hour's <laughs> consulting. Right? Yep. And, you know, I was paying with Aussie dollars. So it was about 12,000 Australian dollars probably <laughs> back then. Yep. Um, but I, it taught me a big lesson is that I could, I could capture people's attention if I treated it as a business, if I treated it as a consulting assignment, it, it, what I was used to corporate. You know, when I was in corporate, we hired a lot of consultants all the time. Yeah. And I thought that that was you know, an important skill. And so I, I finally got the team together and, you know, I thought, well, then the logistics happened and I was, I was absolutely blessed to have an, an amazing team work with me that work with me in corporate. And I relied right. on them yeah. to get the logistics done. Uh, people like Joe Nelson, uh, who, who's, who was an amazing person that put on the logistics. Um, and, you know, we just, it came together did we get enough people there? Probably not. You know, we, we learned, I learned a lot of things about selling, you know, online back then. And, but, but I think to this day to have people like you to come and say it was an amazing event and I got a lot out of it. I think that that's, that was, that taught me a lot. And, and I certainly was grateful for that. Um, and I look back on it now and, and the career I've had since then, and I can't believe I forgot some of the stuff, you know, and I think that we've had all the learning whilst the internet has rapidly evolved. A lot of it hasn't in terms of it's the models, how to sell online. As you well know, right? Yep. The principles and, are the same. Right. So affiliate marketing is still the same concept. Okay. Yeah. Um, email marketing is still the same concept. Writing good copy, you know, is still a lost art. Even today, 16 years later, good copy is rare. You know, corporates yes. don't do it. Right. No. Um, good, good copy will, will sell something straight off the page, right? And um, understanding bounce rates and understanding email marketing metrics, that sort of stuff is important. SEO, you know, white hat versus black hat, understanding the difference. There's no, you can't, you can't cheat the system. And so, you know, I, I look at all those things that, that still are very relevant today. And I'm glad I, I did that. I'm glad I went through that experience, um, you know? And so I think that that was that was really important. And, um, you know, I think, I think look, at, look at the evolution in your business too for that. Well, I, I would say that, uh, I mean, that was one of the reasons that I took it very seriously and actually handed over the three and a half grand or whatever it was back then, because the lead up, you did a very good job of marketing the, the seminar beforehand. And you were talking about how you were flying around buying the time of these different people. Uh, many of which I had come to know of before the seminar. And that was, that was impressive. And you were going back and forth. And, thought, and in my mind, I was thinking, this guy's serious. And you're also putting it as it was uh, not going to be a pitch fest, which anything I'd attended pretty much before that was a right. pitch fest. And for those who don't know what a pitch fest is, well, you're fortunate, but it's basically you turn up to go to a seminar to learn things and all you do is get sold things. Um, and the, I thought the way that it was was put on that you allotted a time at the end of the the three days for the presenters to talk about what they had to offer and people could choose to stay or not stay in the, in the event was fantastic. I think 
most people stayed because the, the, the value and the quality of the content that was delivered up to that point was second to none and there was no pitching. So you kept up to your, your promise. And the OCD thing was absolutely apparent because it was like, it, like, I was sitting there going, this is how I would do it. This is exactly how I would do it. This is how I would do it. And just like you'd, you'd go away from break, you'd come back, fresh bottles of water on all the tables. <laughs> Things finished on time, which is a had, huge... Had he used a ruler between each of the seats? Pretty much. Well, it was <laughs> like... Ed did that for us. Yeah, great. Ed was I, doing I, I his whole row. He was just... He was, yeah, he was, just, <laughs> yeah, he was in yeah, the zone. I, had, I, did, yeah. I did have to straighten a couple of chairs, to be honest. But, but um, I mean, no. It's massive. It was, Putting on events is a massive undertaking, Simon. So, I mean, I, I remember Ed coming back from that just so fired up and so... But, like, he always talks about it still, even. That's so good. when he says about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that one, as if I was there and I wasn't there. But you Simon... Know, it obviously didn't instill a want for you to be an event, um, you know, run event. No. No. <laughs> no, it did not. No. <laughs> that, that was clear. I think that was clear after. I think we had a conversation after, Simon, and yeah. uh, I remember we were walking back to your abode. I think you were in some sort of villa or something that you'd had one, one of the big fancy places at, yeah. the, at the height, Coolen, and you're saying, don't ever get into events. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think most people would tell you that. Like most people at course events, it's uh, hard unless work, you man. have a very high threshold of pain, and especially because I hadn't done it before. Mm. And, and I think, you know, you either wake up and say, I'm going to do this as a business. You know, could I do it again? Yeah. And I would put on events dip in, you know, in a different, completely different capacity. But, but I think it, it proves something that if you really want something badly enough, you can do it. And Absolutely. we did it. And did we make mistakes? Of course we made mistakes, right? Um, but I remember, Ed, you know, in one of the mornings on the second day, I was, my villa was beside Perry Marshall's. Mm -hmm. And he was talking to people back in the US and he was saying, this is the way to put on an event. Mm -hmm. And I thought yep. if, and he didn't know I was listening. And I think that, man, if I can, if, if I did the right thing by Perry Marshall, who I to this day regard as one of the smartest guys mm. on the planet. Yeah. Um, if I can impress a guy like him and, I, and I've, I've done our job well, um, you know, Alex Mendocian was a huge influence on, on my life, you know, taught me about know, like, and trust. People won't buy anything yeah. on you online yeah. until they know you, like you, and trust you. Absolutely. In fact, Words you, commit my mouth. Will buy you anything if you period, right? Mm. So I think that that you know there's some amazing guys that that are still around. You know, Armin. You know, they're, they're huge, yeah. hugely successful. You know, with audio. Remember back that yeah. Remember yes. back then with the audio generator stuff. Audio like that. generator. Yeah. I mean that was unheard of to have audio on a website back then. Now we think well that's nothing. You know you've got a we've got a Zoom session running between two countries. You know. Um, that you're going to probably publish, you know, within hours or could publish within hours. We could be streaming it live back then. You couldn't do yeah. it, right? Yep. It's, it's, it's amazing. And uh, just so you know, Perry Marshall still talks about uh, the Extend Seminar. He was talking about it at um, something he ran. He was back here in Australia in November last year. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you, you remember Mike Rhodes? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Mike's, he's also in the same space that I'm in and very successful and he's actually done some uh, book publishing with Perry on the subject. Uh, but they were both talking about how, how they met and how they connected and how good the X10 seminar was. So you were still getting pats on the back from those guys just not many months ago, mate. So, and um, 
look, the, the reason we, we talk about this is it's, it's a, I think if you're going to do something, do something well, as well as you possibly can. And the X10 seminar, say the fact that it's stuck in my head for 16 years and it's something I keep talking about and comparing things to. And I, I would say the only other thing that's come close to it, or probably on a par with it, would be the system seminar, which I'm sure yeah, we definitely. were at the same. We were yeah. at the 2007 one again. That's where I saw you. Yeah. Definitely. That's where I, mean, I saw you Ken last McCarthy. in person. Ken McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he's been on yeah. uh, my other podcasts too, which is right. Yeah. So um, I think it's a, a very important point to pay attention to how these things get done. And even though you only did the one, it set you up for a lot of other experiences to follow. And so once that was done, what were you working doing something else when you ran the seminar? I can't remember whether you were employed and were running another separate business. What were you doing at the time of the seminar outside of it? We might just wait for the video to catch up. Did you, do you want to ask that question again? Oh, okay. Sorry. We had a bit of a gap there. Yeah, that's okay. I was saying, what were you doing? Um, when you were running the system seminar, were you employed? Were you doing something else at the time? Were you running your own business? I can't remember what was happening yeah, was, at the time. I, I, was, I was running my own business. And then what happened after the X10 seminar? Was, we, I'd actually set up a digital consulting business in Australia. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that this was another lesson I learned from that is that, you know, Ed, think of how many conferences you had been to where you had been pitched product or service. Yeah. And, you know, people were very successful at selling them. And so, you know, the, the economic model, which I don't mind sharing now, is that if you're the event organiser and I have Ed K. Smith come on as the, let's call it the domain expert, and you've got a product or a service, um, and, you know, let's say that's, that product's $500 for you to buy it at the, at the seminar, I, as the event organizer, organizer make 250 and you make 250, Ed. And that's the way it works, typically. Yeah, okay? yeah. And so in the audience was, was some clients of ours uh, from a big telco and from them from their marketing department. And, you know, we had a product back then that we sold at the X10 seminar. It was very expensive, $8,000, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it sold. It didn't, it, should we sold, should have we sold more of it? Of course, every, every event guy wants to sell more product. And I remember the client, the head of marketing coming up to us and said, Simon, I can't buy, I can't put that on our expenses. I can't buy that. Right? But I can, we can hire you to, we can en- engage you. And if I look at that, that was probably a turning point in our consulting because you, if, you, if you sell a product to an individual, that's one thing. But if you sell a product to a corporate, it's completely different altogether. So for yeah. example, Ed, if I want to buy an hour of an hour of your time, the, the average person on the street that that's seeing you on the internet, well, Lois, if I want to buy an hour of your time, let's call that five hundred dollars now. Friends discount, corporate for five thousand. It's the same hour, right? Corporates have a much higher threshold of pain. Remember, it's not money to them; it's a budget. Okay, and so I learned that back dealing with corporates, and I thought. I could keep doing this and at, a, at an event level, or I can go to where the big fish are and sell them the same hour for a lot, lot more money. And that's what I did. Yeah. And that taught me a big lesson in scaling and using leverage and solving the problem. Corporates want you to solve the problem. I want you to make it go away. And, you know, as I said, if you understand the distinction between real money 
and a budget in a corporate environment, it, it, it can be have a profound effect on your, your result at the end. And so those, that client, that telco client went on to become, you know, a huge client of ours. And um, we built some technology for them, which we sold them to them. And I just, I loved doing that, you know, much more than the event business. It was a lot easier yeah. in, in that sense. Um, the event business gives you massive highs and massive lows, but, but running a consulting business with big, heavy duty clients that can afford you and can afford to throw money at problems that I think that that's also sexy. That's appealing to me anyway. It, 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 yeah. it just fit my mold. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're adding massive value to them. And as you say, their problems are big and sticky. So, you know, you can um, right. yeah, really um, change their world. It's awesome. So, so I think, um, go ahead. I'll just say, so leading up to what you're doing now, I think um, back back then you were, were you still working out of Singapore? Yeah, I was, uh, I was working out of Australia and then I went up to Singapore. Uh, we wanted the kids to, you know, have some international experience. I went to the Aussie school up there. Okay. And um, I, I, same thing, another client that I'd worked with at, at BT reached out and said, we've got a problem. Can you come help us fix it? So I said, yeah, why not? And so... I kept going up and back and up and back. And I thought, you know, we might as well live here for now for the next couple of years. And that's how it happened. Yeah. So, fantastic. And at what point did you decide to move to the U S? Well, as you, you know, as you know, I was married to an American. And so it was always the long-term plan that we would move back to the U S we mm -hmm. got, we'd sent, we came back to Australia for a stint then came back to Singapore for a stint. And then it just got to a point where, you know, I got sick of the consulting uh, got sick of the travel and thought, you know, Let's come to Colorado, which is a, a, a bit, maybe a bit of a slower pace. And I think my wife, Denise, wanted the kids to finish their schooling here, which I did too. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think I got to that point where I, th I probably thought way more like an American than an Australian. You know, I'd been yeah, around okay. the US so much. Um, and I love the scale of the place, you know, 335 million people as opposed to 24 million people. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you crack California, there's 35 million people, right? That's, That's it. Yeah. You know, so if you're the number one egg producer or the number one milk producer in California, that's bigger than that's, that's a hundred percent times bigger than anything in Australia. Mm. Right? Or vegan yeah. sausages even. Right. <laughs> but yeah, take, but yeah, take a, whatever's popular there. Yeah. Take whatever, you know, take, or, yeah. or, you know, take some organic, you know, <laughs> something. You know, Some yeah. of the best food I reckon I had in America was in um, San Francisco and right. Santa Barbara. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> you know, so if you become good at your niche in the US, the yep. ability to scale is huge. And, and I think I, I found that very appealing in terms of, you know, if we, if we forget what's happening in the world right now, which everyone wants to forget, no matter where we are, mm. right? yeah. that the opportunity for business and the opportunity to raise capital the opportunity for business success. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in Australia. Of course it does. We, I think Aussies are some of the most innovative, collective, ambitious people on the planet. Mm -hmm. But just about a cracker market, there, there's a lot of Australian companies that would love the US audience. They're in the wrong place. You know, yeah, they've got the yeah. great best product. They're just in the wrong market. Yeah. Um, and the US market's still very parochial. You know, they want to deal with Americans, right? There's products today that I cannot fathom how they're still so successful, but Americans keep buying and buying a box full. I have no yeah. idea why, right? Um, 
And so I think that that's what I was drawn to. And so we came back to the US and uh, I was still consulting. And then the consulting company that I was working for, there was a German group, they actually went broke, which is very rare in Germany to, to, for companies to go chapter 11. And mm. I, I, I'd seen it before and I thought, ah, oh, you know what, maybe it's time to do something I really love. And, you know, I think that's the other lesson I've learned. And it probably just took 40 years too long is that I love what I do now. And I haven't loved what I've done for a long time. I, you know, I, I think I was okay at doing the corporate thing. Um, you do it because you've got to do it. You've got to make a living. Uh, I love, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like consulting. I, I, I did. I love traveling. Um, but, uh, but I think now being in the industry that we're in, in ground transportation, I've, I've always been a car, car geek. I, I didn't realize, yeah. you know, that I, I didn't realize that you could make your hobby into something that you could make your business. Oh, you're speaking uh, Lois, the language, Simon. You've woken Lois up now. Woken the beast. I was away. Woken I was the beast. Away. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm just so, getting like, you know, that, that's my, yeah, that's my language because that's what I'm working with people to you know, encourage them to look, look for that, you know, and to, yeah, find it. And it was the, it was the funniest thing because, you know, when, when the consulting company, consulting gig went, when, you know, when that client went broke, um, I didn't panic. I mean, it was just, just a pain. And I thought, okay, off we go again. I've got to go get another consulting client. You know, it's a roller coaster. It's, yeah. you know, it's feast, feast or famine, right? And, but I was, I was signed up for it. I thought, okay, here we go, right? And I was confident in my network that I could, that I could get it done and off, you know. But I thought, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this driving thing. And so I, I actually started as an Uber driver, right? Right, and, okay, didn't know And I saw that you know, on I your LinkedIn it. profile. Right, <laughs> uh, and I loved it. I couldn't believe you could, you know, you could turn on the phone, drive around, it would beep, you'd pick up people, you'd drive them places. I like driving, I had a good car. Um, but then, you know, the kind of perhaps the business person in me thought the economics are all wrong. You would have yeah. said, Simon, you yes. have to stop this now. The, the economics are wrong. And so, you know, especially at the base level, and I thought, well, how can you make more money? You charge more. And the only way to do that is be an Uber black driver. And Uber black is, you know, your Mercedes, your BMW, your black SUVs. That's how Uber started. It's actually, it's mm -hmm. a black SUV yes. operator in San Francisco. So I did that, but to be a Uber black operator in Colorado, you had to have a limousine license. Limousine license was pretty easy. I found online, you, you go into a bureaucratic government department, pay them some money, fill out a form, get some insurance, off you go. But every customer that we had as an Uber black customer became our biggest <coughs> corporate customers. Wow. So we flipped those customers to become corporate. And, you know, we built a good business. I mean, it doesn't set the world on fire, but we went from like zero to a million dollars in three years. Um, you know, and, and more of the, to the point, I loved it. You know, I was loving it. I was loving the fact that I could keep buying cars and, and also, uh, by the way, it's a million US, not a million Australians. So <laughs> yeah, so seven, about 17 million Australian. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. get those done the conversion. But, and and, and that, <laughs> that, that's not the issue. It, it was the issue, the fact that you could start from zero and go to here. It doesn't matter what it is. I think, I, did I have a target? No. And was I impressed by the money? Of course not. But but I was impressed in that I was I was happy and content that we were making clients very happy, and that I loved waking up in the morning doing our job, you know, and and then it morphed into something that, you know, we where the other thing I think, you know, when I was listening to your multiple streams of income, you know, podcast earlier on, is that we didn't set out perhaps like the X10 seminar perhaps and my OCDness, we didn't set out just to be another limo operator, another black car operator. 
if you go back to the way back machine, you'll see five years ago, we had a product called Concierge Plus. We had executive protection. We had weddings, we had events, we had everything. And so today, as the world has turned upside down, I promise you this, the only thing that's kept us alive today is the fact that we had diversified our income streams and that we were able to pivot fairly quickly. Yeah. And we had, you know, we were, instead of driving executives to the airport, we were going to get their groceries. We were looking after their cars. We were servicing their cars, taking them to their, to the dealership, bringing them back, getting their snow tires taken off, off them, putting their summer tires back on. We were picking up toilet paper for people because there was a toilet paper shortage. Yeah. I just found out that where you could get toilet paper. It, it just wasn't in the supermarket. And so, yep. Yep. you know, we just, we had to pivot. We had to think, we had to act quickly. Um, and we had to shore up our finances, you know, I mean, and, and, and I was, you know, I was so relieved that we had clients that were strong enough to help us. And I would, you know, urge anybody that's in business now that's got clients that has a relationship with clients. They are your number one asset because in a time of crisis, more than not, they will help you. The only reason they haven't helped you is you haven't asked them. And so, you know, I was, we were fairly conservative from a cash perspective, but I knew that when this happened, we had to act quickly. And I doubled the amount of cash we had and had available to us in four hours with two phone calls to clients. And I think that that, could you do that in Australia? I'm not sure, Ed. Lost, mm. I'm not. But I knew based on my relationships with those clients, I was able to pull it off. And I, and I, and I think that that, you know, proves that, and it wasn't just me and my ability to do that. I'm talking to your audience to say, if you have a relationship with a client, that is gold. If that client and you have a great relationship, that is better than gold. Because when the chips are down, you will find that most often than not, a client will help you, right? They may not help you financially, but they're certainly going to help you in any other way they can. And I think that that was something that, and, and you know, the US aren't like the Aussies in that way. You know, they're, they're just not built that way. We're, you know, we have this concept of mateship and making sure everyone's, we're looking out for each other. But I think that, you know, it taught me the value of uh, and the importance of, we have, you know, we have had the same clients since the day we started. Yes. And they've yes. gone from zero a month to, you know, fifteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a month. Uh, yeah, that, that's amazing. So you've grown with them, they've grown with you. Right. And um, I, I do find it interesting that uh, your name your company name, eight black or eight black cars, but eight black you had way back then at the X10 seminar, but it's a name that very, very much suits what you're doing now. It was almost like that name was meant for this. That's my perception. That's the way, that's the way I look at it. It just seems like someone, someone asked me what, you know, how did we come up with the name eight black? Well, I tell you, I was sitting at in the Auckland casino with our CFO at the time for the company that I was working for. We're playing roulette. And I said to him, Chris, if I ever start a company, I'm going to call it eight black because I bet on eight black. And, and there's nothing sinister about it. People say, Oh, you've got eight black cars. I said, well, we actually got nine now or 11 or whatever it was at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I thought, shit, we're going to have to sell a couple to go back to eight. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, yes, it's a lucky number in, you know, Chinese numerology, of course it is, but that wasn't the case, but yes, I think, and, and to your point, probably on the importance of domain, choosing the right domain. I've just owned that. You know, if I think if you just type in eight black, I'll come up everywhere. I think, or, you know, the business yes. will come up now. 
have should have we should have we consulted you years ago? Yes, because we should have had you protect every domain that we could have, but we didn't. And so it's uh, never too late. I'm kicking, my, I'm kicking myself for that. So I'm, you and I might be talking after this Ed, about stuff. We we can always get some back for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah that's great Lois you've got some things buzzing around your head I can tell I have actually because I'm just coming back to that um, beautiful point you made earlier Simon about value and you know even right back to when you were asking people for import and and consulting with them and you would you know say I'll drive out to see you or fly out to see you and, and pay you um, I don't know if it's an Aussieism or not but a lot of people will say oh can I just catch up for coffee and pick your brains mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know the fact that you were prepared to go you know you're a value I value you I'm going to get you know this information and then you're able to use it and then provide massive value at the seminar as well I think really stands true the other thing that I'm picking up you know is the value of relationships and that you um, even the you know the logistics people that you already knew and and when I'm working with people in the career realm um it's one thing to help people work out what they want to do and what they'll be you know really fired up to do with their with their work life but also gathering the right people around them and often it is by research it is actually people that you've known before or even if you haven't actually worked directly with them you know their work character so that's something that obviously you were able to garner there but I think that's that's you as well Simon you live that so therefore when you did reach out and do the ask which I think Aussies would do that as well in terms of the mateship but sometimes the ask is harder I think you know that's maybe something that's a more Americanism to be more front-footed I don't know if, if we can say that but it's obviously very individual but I think that's the mm. thing is you have that mateship and that great relationship with people but you're also prepared to ask so that's kind of really yeah amazing that that's how you've driven I think you know from my I mean, I think, view. I, I appreciate that last I mean I think you know even this week we, we hired two consultants to help us with the project right and you know, we're paying them, you know, do I want to pay them in this environment? No, but I can't, I couldn't get the job done without them. And I'm not going to certainly call them up and say, Hey, could you just do me a favor and do this for free? Right. Sure. And you know, one of those consultants, <clears throat> you know, she's expensive by the hours, like, you know, and, and all of a sudden now I'm at three hours with that person. Um, but the, but the value that she can transfer to us yes. is huge. Right. And you know, when you need specialist expertise, you're not taking it seriously enough if you're not prepared to use your own money and pay. Now I know a lot of people have limited resource, right? But if someone came to me today and said, can you teach me something about this? If they made an offer to say, I can't pay you now, but I can pay you in a year. I can pay, I can pay you in this. I can pay you in that. I just want to see that you've got the right intent and that you've got the right determination. Right. And, And I think that's really important. And I think that, with us, we were, we've been fortunate that we can hire the right consultants and the smartest people. I, I, I'm, when, I, when we look at a problem, I'm determined, let's go find the smartest person on the planet. And tomorrow, Ed, you know, we're, we're interviewing a guy on, on LinkedIn, you know, because we've been bashing away at social media because I'm, I'm absolutely convinced the only way through this is, is to, to be top of mind, to, 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 create, to create content. You're doing it right now, not with me, with all the other good people before, but you're, create, <laughs> you're creating great content, right? And content is king, as you both know. Absolutely, right? yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to find the best people. And the guy that we are having on tomorrow is a guy that you just can't get. He's just too busy. And, you know, the other quick thing I'll say is that when I was consulting back in Australia, 
the client said, you need to go find the number one data guy in the world, right? And he just happened to work for Google, but he had a consulting business. As you know, Google have this 80-20 rule, 80% you work on our business, 20% you can work whatever you want. It can Love be anything, mm-hmm. right? And so I called him up and I said, you're the smartest data guy in the world. I'm coming to see you. And he said, okay. So I jumped on a plane. I flew to Google. He had hosted me to lunch and I hired him. His fee was a, you know, his fee was exorbitant, but the client said, absolutely. He's the number one guy. And I think that's, you know, we've been able to catch people's attention with that. Yeah, That's awesome. Can you share who that is or is that top secret? No, the the guy's name is Avinash Kaushik. He's the head of analytics uh, and the digital evangelist. For, for Google, he is responsible for $2 billion worth of marketing and analysis at Google. He has the smartest people on the planet work for him. If, there's, if he can't work something out, it's can't, it can't be worked out, right? And so I said to him, would you come and help me tomorrow, you know, have a chat with me? And, and um, he's the sort of guy, Ed, that went, and I laugh because I've known him exactly the same time I've known you. I've known him for 15 okay. years. Okay. And I saw him speak at an event and, I, and we were talking afterwards. And I said, when you went to university, you know, you're sitting there in the lecture. Did the lecturer just walk up to you and say, here, you teach this shit. I don't know. You know <laughs> you're smarter than me. Right? And he, you know, because he's, he's a million percent smart. Right? He, I bet you even, you know, when he sits at Google and there's a, there's a really good little video on the promo I did on my post, a Google video. I bet you when Larry and Sergey send an email. I bet you they send it out to about five people saying, we've got to write an email to Avanash. Make sure we don't look stupid. Can you ever read of this before we send it? Right. Yeah. I mean, and he's, and he's the most, he's the most humble, kind, gentle man you'll ever meet. And he'll help you. You know, and I think just ask, and, and I bet you there's people sitting here watching this thing. That guy's crazy, but, but Ed and Lois are smart. <laughs> they, if, if they, if you, if your domain knowledge or your, career knowledge just call you up and ask you what if they sent you an email and said look i really need your help with this right what i've seen in the last 10 weeks of that sitting here in my underwear on linkedin essentially (laughs) is and i've got pants on i promise you now uh my daughter made sure dad make sure you're wearing pants this time you're talking to aussies right and so i think that i've noticed the revolution of social media people have connected there's a i don't know what's happened I know it's good and I know I want to be part of it, um, mm. you know, and I've got some things brewing around in their head that we might try. Um, but, but I I'm, I'm, have been amazed at, at the, at the sense of community and this part me in the spirit of community with LinkedIn. And I think that that's, you know, 690 million people on the platform, 1% yeah. are producing content. 1%. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, yeah, it, it is a fraction. And, um, I'm a follower of Gary V. Gary V. Um, right, right. Gary Vaynerchuk is an amazingly smart guy. Made some very successful businesses. He's polarizing though because he he just True. speaks his mind. But that's fantastic. I love I love people who are that way because if you're just down the middle and you're a fence sitter, then, then who cares? But he right. he speaks his mind, um, and he's always on the money about what's the current thing and picking what's happening. Right. He doesn't pick things that are futuristic he's this is this is what's happening now you need to get on this and linkedin is one of those areas he's been pushing for the last 12 months yeah um 
Um, Simon, I was just going to also say with your LinkedIn, because I had a look and, um, and I'll ask, I want to ask you about you transporting the dogs later, but we'll hold that one off for a second. Um, <laughs> with LinkedIn, I think it's really interesting because I'm hearing, you know, like social media, social media, but like I have a bit of a contrarian view of LinkedIn that social media is just a facet of it, you know, how you appear in the feed and that kind of thing. And that obviously coming back to your relationships discussion, it's really all about building those relationships as well. And even looking at your profile today, a little thing was twigged by me was when you said about um, something you referred to, you referenced your ex-wife in a very fond way. I think it was about protection and your family and, you know, fierce, fierce about your family. And, and you mentioned in, including your ex-wife and I thought that was beautiful. And then as I, as I sort of went down your profile and I was being the career, career nerd, I was sort of going, Oh, where have you done before? And, you know, you went to Wesley in Melbourne or, you know, what, you know, sort of getting a bit of a sense of your history. Um, which of course never really tells you as much as, as, as meeting someone in person. But I also noticed then the recommendation that you had um, from a lady that you'd work sort of um, aside with, you know, and I always say to people, get that 360, you know, have people that reported to you, have people that you reported to, and then have people that are your running mates and that sort of thing. And so I don't know if you realise that... Um, I kind of looked at all that and like I was influenced by the fact that you seem like a really good guy. I already know that through Ed, but you know, in terms of your business and that obviously a lot of your clients are female as well. I just felt like that spoke to me as well. So I don't, you know, like a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on what they're posting and what they're doing, but it's actually also when people come to your profile to suss you out, as we say in Oz, uh, that that resonates with them as well. So I don't know if that's something you're aware of. Probably not, but if you'd met my sister and my mother, you'd know that I'm at a loss, you know, from the start, right? So if I don't do the right thing by the female community, there's a lot of pain at the other end. I mean, I've worked with some amazing people, whether or not they're, I've never thought of them as, as male or female. Um, and, you know, I, I, have, I haven't thought about it, to be honest, but I think that what I've learned, you know, and I, I came from probably a pretty stiff corporate background at the start, and I thought, oh, this is the way you've got to do things, you know. And when you work for British Telecom back then, it was like very hierarchical, you know, very chauvinistic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the thing that I've learned with, say, LinkedIn, because that's the platform I like the most, is that people just want you to be you, right? Yeah. And I think that, the you know, we're doing this as, you know, three Aussies having a chat. And, you know, I'm not, we're not wearing a tie, I'm, Got a scotch over here that's getting warm. Uh, drink it. You know, but no, no, it's fine. <laughs> drink it, Freddie, uh, drink it. <laughs> my mother watched this lady. She said, What do you, what, you mate, you can't believe you were drinking on that TV show with Ed. And um, <laughs> she thinks podcasts are TV. You know, well, how do I turn oh, into, how do I, how do I watch this t t podcast? What channel is it on? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I think that that's, that's what's winning now. And if you look, you know, if you, if you guys know anything about what's happening in New York with Andrew Cuomo, the governor, mm -hmm. and his yep. brother, who's a CNN, you know, uh, reporter, the bond that those two brothers are having online has absolutely been a breath of fresh air to a very terrible environment here in the United States. And because it's genuine, it's two brothers taking the piss out of each other. Right? <laughs> yeah. And yep. being genuine. Do you, do you want me to stop swearing so you can edit this out for the... For the no, that's okay. No, that's, no, okay. no, that's all good. And um, so, you know, and I think that's, I've just said, well, if I'm going to be on social media stuff, I'm going to be me. That's, I'm going to, um, and I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll try and remember to wear pants every time I go on, on, on yep. a, you know, a Zoom session. 
But I think that that's what's resonating with people. And, you know, that's my determination now to say, okay, how do we make a difference? How do we get out in front of it? How do we, how do we connect with our community? How do we connect with our client base? Yeah, fantastic. You've got to be real. You absolutely have to be real. But otherwise, people see right through it. Um, right. Transparency, I think, is, is the key. But there's a lot of people trying to be something they're not on the internet these days. There's, there's a huge amount of that. And I think people just really find it genuinely refreshing when someone is just being themselves and not trying to manipulate or influence or whatever the words are. They're just being who they are. And look, you've got a, I mean, we talk about sales before, but I think also you come from a very, very, very high customer service base because there's no way you would have run the X10. <laughs> there's no way you would have put on um, the, uh, the, the X10 seminar and run it like you did if you weren't service-based, in my opinion. No, and I think that that's probably what, yes. We, we do stuff for our clients that no one else wants to do, right? Yeah. Or yep. perhaps no one else was, is prepared to do. They just think, I, I don't really want to do that. And I've always said, find the 10% of it that, that everybody else doesn't want to do because if you do that, you'll have that client forever and you'll be able to charge more um, and you'll be, you know, when the chips are down, they'll be with you. And, you know, it's like, we're doing grocery shopping for you know a client in Boulder that just doesn't want to go to the store, but he's our number one client. And if he wants me to go paint his house, I'll go paint his house. I don't care. Right? <laughs> that's um, diversification. That's awesome. Yeah. Because if you knew how much he actually helped us, it's just you yeah. wouldn't believe it, right? And so he doesn't equate that. You know, he he equates his helping financially as a thing he can click his finger and it's never talk about it again. Don't worry about it. It's all done. But you going to get my groceries or you picking up my two boys, you know, that's, that's to him is the, is the difference between us and our competitor, right? And, and I think trust that that's... as well. Massive right. trust. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. we, we have that with all of our clients. I mean, I think, you know, we have more garage codes, more car keys, more mm. alarm codes than, than I know what to do with, right? Um, because the, the client trusts you, right? And once you've got that, I think it's... Then you've got a real business, I think, yeah. you know. For uh, sure. Because you can pivot with them quickly. You can say, look, you know, I mean, one of the things we're looking at is dog hiking. You know, we, we've got vans, <laughs> we've got vehicles. And so we say, you know how many of our clients have got dogs? They've all got dogs. Yeah, They're all been that. at home. <laughs> They're all at home cooped up going crazy. And so the owners are saying, help us get rid of the dogs, take them on a hike. And so we've got a person that we've partnered with and we've converted a vehicle. And I don't know if it's going to work but I know what we can charge for them. And the client's going to say, yeah, some of that makes perfect sense. You've got our credit card. Take the, thank God, come get the dogs. In fact, if you can take that husband or the kids, take them too. Right? <laughs> no, leave the dogs, take them, yeah. Exactly. Um, right? I mean, I remember um, Ed, Ed and I and Sasha, when she was only seven, she's 21 now, so that was a while ago, um, came to um, America and we, we drove down the Big Sur and we um, we watched, um, we, were, we stopped into Carmel and we could not right. believe there was a shop 
that oh. sold um, bride and groom costumes for dogs and it had special baked treats for dogs. And we'd never seen anything like that. I mean, there are things like that now in Oz, but that was, you know, as usual, um, that they were the front runners of these sorts of things and, and lots right. of ladies with little dogs in their bags walking around in Carmel. So it was quite an eye opener for us. But I realised, you know, the pet industry is a massive, massive industry now too. So the fact that you're catering to people four-legged children is is fantastic we have one of those as well so you know all about that um i know i, I think i saw a post and you had like the two big dogs actually in the car i think you were transporting yeah. them or taking them somewhere else is that right yeah we got called up by a client whose daughter had gone from colorado to rally north carolina that's melbourne to darwin right wow. yeah in distance and she had some health issues. She couldn't fly. And the two dogs obviously couldn't fly because one was a Rottweiler and one was a pit bull. And, and <laughs> I had no cute. idea. I had no idea what the difference was apart from them. Both of them could rip your head off if they wanted to, I suppose, if you <laughs> pissed them off. And so we got dispatched to fly across country and, and, and meet the daughter and drive back with her and the dogs because people are complete. I mean, if you can find a, a product that caters to animals, People are completely irrational with animals. Oh. They're not. Yeah, totally. Sasha could yeah. come home and say, Mum and Dad, I, I, I broke my foot. Okay, honey, are you okay? Yeah, fine. The dog could have a limp. Just, within minutes, you're prepared <laughs> to spend $15,000 on the vet, right? Whereas your own child, ah, you walk it off, it's good. You take an aspirin. <laughs> take an aspirin. Right? Uh, and man. I have seen people yeah. be completely irrational with animals. And so, you know, if you can, if you can cater to that need, then people deserve it. You know, you should take their money, right? Because well, mate, that's that's um, happening to that's happening today. Our dog's getting a a haircut per se, right, which will be right. eighty or ninety dollars, and and mine which is about seventy five dollars more than you paid. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's, right? It is mine's mine's exactly. fifteen dollars with his daughter, and it's it, yeah. it's only she's only about yeah. half the price of what Lola spends on her hair. So um, <laughs> that's cheap. That's a cheap visit. That's yeah. a, that is cheap. So you know, but she sits somewhere in between, and she's a dog. So uh. that just goes to, goes to show you you're you're dead right. So and and look, so you um, we've we've been talking to you for about an hour or so now so we'll uh, we'll start winding up so we can let you get back to that scotch and uh Good. but but no, you you have fine. you have pivoted quite a lot with you know you you've you, i mean for those who are looking at what eight black cars are can you just give us a bit of a a rundown on the the services that you provide there yeah sure i mean we we do the standard you know the standard executive transfers between airports and homes and offices that's the standard you know you know, person calls us up and says, I need to be at the airport at six in the morning. And that's vanilla. Everyone does that. There's in yeah. Colorado, there's 3,500 companies that do that. Right. Um, and we do it with SUVs. We do it with sedans. We do it with sprinters or 14 passenger vehicles. And then we do a lot of the event stuff. So where you need to move 600 people or corporate needs to move 600 people from, you know, the office to the Christmas party, for example. Um, and then we do, uh, of obviously weddings, 21st parties, that sort of stuff. We do a lot of winter, to work in the ski season so we take a lot of people from out of town up and down the mountain and it's a very challenging piece of road that goes up you know to the colorado ski fields um, and that's a good part of our business and then we do some of the stuff that really no one wants to do and that's executive protection and so that's where we provide armored transportation we provide you know security details that are you know well credentialed people that carry firearms um, this week for example we're on a a large 
security project for a client here in town that had a mm -hmm. had an employee an ex-employee have some issues and so we you know we provide that sort of perimeter and static security is it something that you know we got into just by willy-nilly no but we knew there was a niche for it and when you can get a niche product you can essentially charge what you want right in terms for of sure. within reason you know and i think that that's that certainly helped us in this pandemic where, you know, where we are at a 90% revenue loss. The industry is at a 90% revenue loss, but we've had probably more work on, you know, for doing all the little stuff, the concierge plus the vehicle maintenance, transporting dogs across the country. We've still been able to keep active and busy. Have I been happy about it? No, not at all. It's not, you know, our industry may never be the same, but we're not, you know, we won't die trying, you know, uh, we're going to give it a crack and we'll see what runs out the end of it. And that's why, you know, social media for us is perhaps the best thing we can do right now to see what, if we throw enough mud at it, we'll see what happens. And, you know, as to your point, Lois, we'll be passionate about whatever we do. You know, we're going to, we're going to make sure that we love what we're doing uh, and that we can, we can make a crack, you know, we can make a living out of it and we can scale it hopefully. Right. That's yeah, yeah. kind of what I am in life. Right? Fantastic. Uh, Lo, um, yeah. Simon's Simon's frozen up. There he's frozen. There we go. Yeah. There the we ice drink. Yeah, no, he's, we lost him for a sec there. Um, have you got anything else you wanted to ask Simon before yeah. we finish? I don't know. There you go. I don't know what there happened he is. there. Um, he is. Um, right. I'm sorry about that. It's going to ruin your consist consistency no, with the product. That's fine. People are forgiving. This is a pretty it's standard life. thing with. Yeah. It's just it's it's seconds. Um, Lo, did you have anything you wanted to? to finish up asking Simon? Lots. I just look forward to hanging out in Colorado with you sometime, Simon. Yeah, Maybe good. not sometime we'll, soon, but <laughs> one we'll of these days. We'll send the car for you. It's pretty easy. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. No, so, that would be great. Come see us. Okay. No, it's yeah, really inspiring. See you later, Lars. Ed, it's, um, good to it's, see you, my friend. Let's let's have a chat after this. I, I've got some things I want to pick your brain about, and I'll pay oh, you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Just just for those who are watching, Ed's about to hang up from Simon because he used to pick pick your brains. And that, there's a little tip: don't ever use pick your brains with Ed or Lois because uh, we will not respond. Um, <laughs> no, so we'll put the clock on. <laughs> it's it's been awesome catching up with you with you, Simon. Uh, you and too, mate. You sharing yep. your wisdom, and uh, thanks, Lo. Of course. Wisdom. Oh, come on. He's, he's very modest as well. Um, yeah, he's, lots he's, of wisdom. And so, yeah. So uh, follow Simon on social media, Simon Chen. And uh, you can also go to 8blackcars.com to find out more if you're in the US or in Colorado and you need uh, his services. He's, he's the man. Absolutely. So uh, take care. And um, yep. we'll, we'll speak to you after this call. You too. And uh, Cheers. Bye for yeah. now, everyone. Thanks for tuning See in. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>